going to get into a series today called A Child is Born. This is our Christmas series, and we're going to begin with it. So if you'll take your Bibles and go to the book of Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, and I, I can't, I'm in this big jacket, so I can't tell if it's hot or cold. So whatever y'all need to do to adjust, you know, is everybody comfortable? Good. Everybody's good. All right, perfect. Galatians 4, we're going to start at verse 4. <laughs> Somebody said something. All right. Galatians 4, verse 4. Yeah, I hear Jan. She's got a blanket. She's good. <laughs> but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem, say redeem, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive adoption of sons, say of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now, there's a, there's a few different ways I, I want to go with this series. Um, ultimately, what you have to understand is there's really no such thing as Christmas scriptures. Uh, there's, there's really the Bible, which is entirely Christmas. A Redeemer came to redeem you. Now, a lot of times what we tend to do is this. We tend to try to relate to God on an Old Testament level. Now, listen, you don't do away with the Old Testament. You don't do away with the type and shadow. You don't do away with what you're taught. However, you do understand that because of what took place in the Old Testament opened the door for the New Covenant and for you to step into a place where, according to what we just read, you're no longer a slave, but you're an heir to a kingdom through your sonship. See, the Bible says very clearly that in Romans 8 and 14, and we're not going to go there because if y'all get me into Romans, we're going to be there all day, and I don't, I don't need to get there. But in Romans 8, if you read the entire chapter of Romans 8, it's, it's the very beginning of New Testament sonship. Jesus came not just to die. Amen. The problem, listen, I'm just going to tell you something. The problem with the Christian teaching today as far as Christmas goes is it's so focused on that he came, but it doesn't talk about why. It doesn't talk about what the redemption process looks like. We don't, we don't teach what you're free from. What we've done is we've taken church and we've dumbed it down to the point that, that, that we, we just want people to just get saved, get in, and serve. But we don't give them anything on how to be free. And, and what we, are y'all with me? Everybody, we need to pass out some cider. You got it. Hey, it's good. It's red hot stuff. Because what happens is this is, this is just the truth of church membership. You get in. You begin to serve somewhere, and you get so focused on your service that you stop chasing your relationship. You get so close to what you feel like God's called you to do that you completely stop talking to God about what you're supposed to be doing. It amazes me. I look back at, at my years of pastoring, which are still small compared to a lot of people, but we started this thing in 03 in my living room, and, and it's amazing for me to look around and see where God's brought it to but it's also uh, even more amazing for me to look back and see the years that I lost chasing the church versus chasing the Savior. And, and I begin to think in terms of what's going to grow the church, not what's going to grow Alan. And, and, I, and, and I, I'm, I'm so cautious to build another group of people who just worship what the pastor preaches. 
because that is prevalent in the church today. It's easy to go get a sermon. It's easy. You can go on YouTube. You can go online. You can stay home. You can watch TV. And there are good people out there preaching good messages. But it's important for you to understand that God has planted you somewhere to be exactly who you are, not who somebody's asked you to be. People try to mold themselves into the image of leadership, and leaders don't even understand that those people have been given to them to help bloom them in some areas they didn't know they needed blooming in. Are y'all with me? This is not a leadership conference, I promise. I'm just talking from my heart for a minute. We miss some things. We miss some things in the Word, and, and I want to show you something that helps me. So we're going we're to read a few scriptures real quick, and then we're going to jump into something. And, and I really want you to understand that it's important that you see it this way. Romans 10, 14 in the Amplified says it this way. But how are people to call upon him who they do not believe in, whom they have no faith on, on whom they have no reliance? How are they to believe in him, adhere to, trust in, and rely upon him to whom they've never heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How can, uh, how can men be expected to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful, listen to me, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings or good news. How welcome is the coming of those who preach the good news of his good things. But they that have not heeded the gospel, that have not all heeded the gospel, for Isaiah says, the Lord has believed, had faith in what he has heard from us. So faith comes by hearing what is told, and what is heard comes by the preaching of the message that came from the lips of Christ the Messiah. Now, this doesn't sound like Christmas stuff, but you have to understand what he's saying here. What he's saying here is that it is absolutely vitally important that you believe the message of the Bible, not just the message of the church. I know that sounds like a slap in the face to the church and that's not what I'm doing. What I'm saying is sometimes we will tweak our message to please people and not please him when in pleasing him might be the very thing that sets you free. We've gotten to the place that we want big crowds. We want big church. We want the lights and the music and the stage. And we got all, thank God for all that. We ain't got a smoke machine yet. <laughs> no ideas, Matt. Look, he's grinning. He's ready for it. Because he'll want it shooting right out of his drum kit over there. But, but, that's, but see, all those things, listen, these are the trappings of church. You are the church. We talked about it in the team meeting. We don't really understand what we have in this thing called life. We were at, uh, we, we, were, we, were, uh, we went to uh, Dolphin Island last week. We were on a little bit of a vacation. And even in that, it was amazing to April and I that we were four days into a five-day trip before we could put our feet up and relax. And that's just crazy. When you're sitting on an island, I mean an island where ain't, there ain't nobody there but you. And it takes you four days to relax. That means you got a little too much on your mind. And, and we were sitting there, and I got up, and I went down to the beach. And, and, and that's, see, that's my hometown. That's where I'm comfortable, and that's where nobody bothers me because they remember who I used to be, and they don't like me. And that's okay because they don't show up to talk to me. <laughs> so I just walked the beach, and I just talked to the Lord. And, and actually, I didn't walk too much this time. I just kind of sat on this little, little pier stump. And... Uh, and I, I'll get up and walk the beach and talk to the Lord, and, and he would talk back, and we just had a great conversation. And usually those conversations are about what, what's next for the church. Usually those are the conversations. This time the conversation was, you're a mess, boy. You got to fix some things. 
Now, I'm, I'm fixing to be transparent. Now, I might make you uncomfortable, but that's okay. Because I've learned a long time ago, I'd rather be real about me than anybody else. The Lord was very clear. You're not praying like you need to pray. You're not spending intimate time with me like you used to spend. You're not here in the mornings opening this building up, laying on your face before the Lord. You're, and, he, and he started running the list of the things that I used to do that got me here. And sometimes when you get to the place that you really think you want to start getting to, like I said, you stop looking at the things that got you there. It's almost as if you're a professional athlete, and the minute you get to the million-dollar contract, you stop playing like you're hungry. And that is the Christian faith right now. We get to the point that we kind of have what we're looking for. We've, we've learned enough about prosperity that we all have a nice car. You know, we, we've, learned enough about the, we've learned enough about the intercessory that, that we tell people we're praying for them on Facebook or we get them to share something. If they share it 100 times, they're healed. Hallelujah. That's where we're at in the church. But God has called us to a place that we must understand his word is absolutely the final authority. Now, in that, I want to show you something. Now, this is very unique to me. This is something that I saw in the Word years ago because my primary anointing and my primary grace, as most of you know who've known me all these years, is what I call sonship. There, there is a place where you give your life to Jesus and you're a child of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord, right? But there is a place that you can move into. It speaks about it in Romans, speaks about it in Galatians, speaks about it in John, that you move into a place of sonship, which means you're activating the thing that you were sent here to do. Everybody has the question, why am I here? It's real simple. It's to accomplish whatever sliver of Jesus' life he gave you. That's your assignment. So we look at this. This, this is our Christmas scripture for the day. Isaiah 9, verse 6. You all have heard this scripture a thousand times, but I want you to look at it from some new eyes today. I want you to pull yourself back a little bit. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And the increase uh, of the increase of his government and peace, you notice government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and establish it with the judgment and with justice from henceforth, uh, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, y'all know I, I'm really good at tearing apart your nativity scene. Uh, because if you got your wise men close to the manger, you're wrong, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> You do know that, right? He didn't get there until Jesus was a toddler, I'm just saying. But anyway, uh, and there was way more than three of them, baby, and they had a lot more than just three little pieces of gold. It was real. But the truth is, this scripture, the very first thing that you read in this scripture is the type and shadow of what Jesus came for and for what you to learn to receive. It says, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Are you with me? And then it goes into dealing with what those things mean. The government will be on his shoulders. There'll be peace. There'll be all of these things. All of these things are supposed to be going on. And what we're missing is this one simple thing. And if I can get this into you, then I've done my job today. And it's real simple. And if I do it well, it shouldn't take long. Hallelujah. But unto us, a child is born. That means unto us, we have been given responsibility. 
I've got 10 kids. I never had one of them and just put them to the side and not worried about them. Unto us a child. It didn't say unto the earth. It said unto you. Unto you a child is born. Now you have the responsibility of what that child, you have the responsibility of the relationship with that child. Amen? Are you seeing this? Unto us a son was given, not born. Are you with me? When something is born, there's the responsibility of relationship. When something is given, there's the responsibility of using what you were given. You were given sonship. You have a responsibility of relationship that takes you into a place where you understand, I have this child, Jesus. I, ex I accept the fact that he was born to die for me. But he was given, a son was given. If something is given, listen to me, if something was given, it was planted. Now, all of y'all have enough prosperity gospel in you to know seed time and harvest. Now, we come from all different denominational backgrounds, but we all know that. If something is given, it's sown. So a child is born, relationship. Something is given, now God has given sons through one seed so the whole earth can operate the way Jesus did. Y'all see this? Christmas, I thank God for the gifts. I hated Christmas for many years of my life because I lost my father early uh, at, at December 19th and it affected me and all of those things. But as I got older, as I became a dad, as I, I began to learn to watch my children enjoy, and, and we had the joy of being able to teach them what Christmas is about. It's really not about you just getting gifts. It's about the fact that your Savior was born this day. And yeah, technically in the calendar, yeah, this ain't the day, but hey, this is the day we celebrate. There's no time for all those semantics. But what we've missed is what Christmas really is. Christmas, we look at the crucifixion as when Jesus died. And that's when Jesus, that, that is when Jesus died. But he was sown. Listen to me. Can I mess with your theology a little bit? I'm going to do it anyway. You might as well say, okay. When he hung on the cross... We teach that as if he was sown for the manifestation of sons or the manifestation of the family. That's actually not true. He was sown into the he was sown back into the spirit realm to deal with things there. The first time he was sown was in this text. That he was given to us. Which means that the manifestation of anything that he ever said he needed to walk in. Well, I just don't believe that, Pastor. You can't bear that out. Yes, I can. Because he was doing miracles before his time with the water turned into wine. He was still a son. Are y'all with me? Y'all looking at me like cows looking at a new gate. Everybody all right? Because what we have to understand is it's not just about getting people saved and getting them into their service. It's about getting people saved and teaching them that God has called them, no matter their gender, to be his son. If Jesus accomplished it, he accomplished it for you to continue in it. Amen. He was given as a child. He was also given as a son. As a child... The relationship has to grow. You have to learn. You have to learn to operate together. Not every kid's different. I mean, not every kid's the same. I got 10 of them. If I'd have had Seth first, it'd been it. Because when Seth was small, Seth, Seth was screaming all the time. He, he's the quietest kid we got now outside of Caleb. But, if he, but, but I mean, the first, the first couple years, I, I've never seen April so frazzled with a kid before in her life. 
But the truth is this. We built relationship. We learned Seth. Seth learned us. We learned what, what, what we need to do here. What we need As parents, that was our job. It's the exact same thing with a child being born to you. You have to learn how to operate with this thing you call Jesus. But then there's also another step to that, which is what is talked about in Romans, in Romans chapter 8, and then in John chapter 1, and then in Galatians chapter 4, where you have to learn sonship. The Bible says in Ephesians, this text, that it, I love this text, but it, it's, it's, it's speaking to believers, and it says, you have not so learned Christ. You learned Jesus. You've accepted salvation. Thank God for that. But you have not learned Christ. You know why people quit church and get offended? They ain't learned Christ. You know why preachers preach hard from the pulpit? They ain't learned Christ. You know why people just browbeat other people? Let me, let me, let me just, I'm a word of faith guy. You cut me, I bleed faith. So let me just deal with my group. When somebody's ending their race and they're sick and they're struggling, why are we so dumb to talk about, that, about their unbelief rather than loving them where they are? Who do we think we are? We're not in their shoes. But yet we've become so spiritual that we can tell everybody else on the planet why they're not winning except ourselves. <laughs> y'all are being very kind. Half y'all wanted to shout right there, I know. But the truth is, we live this life in a superior mindset. We think, we think in biblical terms from a very Western mindset. We see things from the gimme, gimme, gimme God. Yet, we miss the most important thing he ever gave to us was a son. Are y'all with me? It wasn't a son to go to the cross. It was a son to be sown into us that because he went to the cross, because the child went to the cross, the sonship could be broken. He was torn open so the very essence of who he was could flow back into the dirt that you came from so the dirt that you came from could be redeemed so you could be redeemed. And now the, when God speaks to you and you say what God said his way, not with your attitude in it, Amen. Praise the Lord. Good job, Pastor. When you say what God said His way, the heavenlies and the angels and the demonic activity hears God. But we're not doing it right. Hashtag, not doing it right. Because the truth is, you're not so close to the Son, but you love Jesus. Are y'all with me? See, I've learned over the years that my job is very simple. My job is to take something that, that, that is, is complex in the way that it looks if, if, you're not, if you don't lay it out properly and make it real simple because I'm not that smart. And I have to know things in a way that a nine-year-old could get it. And I've learned over the years that if God shows it to me like that, just preach it like that. And that is what this scripture is telling you Christmas is about the celebration of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. But it's also about the celebration of a son. See, we keep seeing the child. Every song that you sing is about the child. Everything that we do is about the child. Everything, and Satan has used the commercialization of Christianity and Christmas to get us to think about the child and to not see the son. Because unto us a son was given to be put at work into our life. Is, are y'all, everybody good? Because what happens is this. We begin to believe things that aren't true and call it Christianity. 
Y'all know, my, y'all know my pet peeve on this comment, God's in control. It's not possible that God's in control. If for God to be in control would mean that he had to go against his word. He gave it to Adam. Adam gave it to Satan. Jesus gave it back to us. Whew, crickets. Listen, God is sovereign. Amen. But he gave us control. And he's given you his word to put him back. Because the son was given. The son is the receiver of all things. And when that receiver is broken open, what's in the receiver comes out into you, which makes you now the receiver. Which means if Jesus walked in it, you should be walking in it. If Jesus had it, you should have it. Now, I'm not saying that you're equal with God. However, I am saying you're joint heirs with Christ. Which means you may not look like Jesus. But when God looks at the earth, he don't see you. He sees the blood of his son. And if he could just see the blood working, then everything he has opens up. It's not about what you can get from him. It's about recognizing what he's already given you. You have within this word everything that you need to accomplish everything he's called you to. The biggest problem is is we haven't spent enough time with him to know who we are, much less who he is. Because Jesus wants for you everything that you're called to and nothing that you're not. Amen. So the gospel in a nutshell is this. The gospel in a nutshell is a child was given for relationship, a son was given for power. I'm just, from a, on a personal level, uh, Ray's back here, Ray Goggins. And I didn't ask him if I could do this, so. But, but Ray, Ray, Ray was a police officer. Very good police officer, by the way. Matter of fact, everybody I've ever talked to in the jail said the, the, when, when they got in Officer Ray's car, he ministered to them. I heard that from everybody. I don't know, I don't know if I ever told you that, but that's the truth. That's the straight-up truth. Now, when I met Ray, at first, we didn't know each other. We're a lot alike. So when you're a lot alike, at first you're like, I don't like that guy. <laughs> Which is really odd. I don't understand it. But once we got to know each other after a few weeks, man, we just, we just jailed. And you know how cool it was. Now, just, just me scratching my own back for a minute. You know how cool it was to drive into a city where I knew one of the police officers? Because <laughs> I had relationship with power. And I knew if Crimson tried to get me, now some of y'all from Cordova know that joke. Now Crimson may get me, but I could call Ray. He'd at least get me out. You know, that kind of thing. So Ray had the authority that was given to him by a, a, an area, by a region. It wasn't given to him by a man. It was given to him by a region. You were given power not by a man in Jesus, but by a region in heaven, by a government that now rested on Jesus' shoulders, which now rests on yours, the foundation of peace. He's the prince of peace, but he's also the king of kings. Are y'all listening? He's also the lord of lords, which means that you were designed to be lords of wherever you put your feet, except for where your feet aren't supposed to be. This is why we've absolutely made a show of the altar and not an outward show of the gospel. See, I fully believe, 
I fully believe in laying hands on people. I love having altar calls and, and ministering to people. I love the excitement of the move of the Holy Spirit. I do. But I also love when people are in Walmart being the church. You ever walked in Walmart? Don't nobody smile in Walmart. I don't know if you ever been in a Jasper Walmart. You think you're in an episode of The Walking Dead. <laughs> and when you walk through there and you smile and you say hello, and people just look at you like you have lost your mind. And it amazes me, it amazes me that, that what we call the most wonderful time of the year, nobody's happy. Can I submit this to you without you throwing rocks at me? I believe they're unhappy because they don't have a complete gospel. I believe they see the child, but they don't have the son. I believe that. I believe that when you understand that, that when you're created... You're a child of God. You may, you may not accept that, but you are. When you give yourself to Jesus, you're a saved person. But when you begin to dig into the word and act like he acts, now you're a son. That's why the Bible says in Romans 8 that, that you're heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. That means if God had it, Jesus had it. If Jesus had it, you have it. Now, this ain't, a, listen to me now, this is not about jet planes, Rolex watches, and limousines. It's not. This is about whatever you need to accomplish the ministry goal that's in front of you. And what we've done is we've decided that because it's going to take X amount of dollars to do this, we're just going to believe God for a million dollars. How about we believe God for whatever it is to get the task done? Is that okay? Can I say that? Because the truth is, a son was given for you to move into a place where you understand, and, and, and I want you to hear this, you are God's wealth. You are. You are God's currency. You are what he uses to expend of himself, to minister, to bless, to take care of somebody else. You are the very thing that God wants to put to action. You are, you are everything you need to be. You just don't know it yet. Because we believe in the child. But man, it's time to put the son to work inside of our life. Because when you step over to the place that you're believing in the son and that you're accepting what he's done for you, things begin to happen. You stop seeing things. We, 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 we tend to minister things from a hard perspective. We tend to minister things. Now listen to me. I'm speaking as a pastor, and I've done wrestle with myself for over 20 years on who I'm supposed to be in the pulpit, so I get this. We want to minister so deep, and we want to minister so emphatically and so dramatically that we're losing people, but boy, we sound good. So I have to ask this question, at what cost and to what benefit? So when, when I step back and said, God, what am I supposed to do at my church? And God said, teach sonship. And that's what I've done now since, what, Sherry, 05? Religiously. I know y'all hate that word. But at some point in almost every service, we go to Romans. Because that's who I am. Now, I'm, I'm not the guy that's going to stand up here and teach you 17 ways to walk in a million dollar prosperity. That's not my grace. I'm not the guy that's going to stand up here and, 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 and I, I struggle. I struggle with certain things as far as preaching because I'm not called to it. But what I am called to is this, to get you to recognize the Son. Because, because you've accepted Jesus. You've accepted Him. But Ephesians 4 says you have so not learned Christ. 
And this church is learning Christ. Because it's Christ when nobody's there and the pastor's not answering that teaches you how to pray. It's Christ that shows you things in this word through the Holy Spirit that you didn't recognize whether you've read a thousand times but all of a sudden now it's real and now I know how to pray for my children who need to come home. This Christ that does something on the inside of you because the truth is, is you can find, listen to me, you can find fault with everything that you do and the people around you but you can't find fault in him. And when you put yourself into him, which is what he asked for you to do, and you pray his way, and you do what he says, and you do it exactly how he laid it out, now how can you fail? Because we don't know what real fail. Honestly, y'all, we live in America where, where people are on welfare with $800 phones. We really don't know what poverty is. We really have no idea what poverty is. Now you, you, you go some, some, some third world countries with... Bellies distended and kids crying because the water, they can't even drink the water that's right in front of them. And they can't kill the cow that's right there because that's Uncle Joe. That's poverty. That's poverty of life and that's poverty of the mind. They have not so learned Christ. See, and we can see those things and we can be like, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Why can't we help? Why can't we help? Here's why you can't help. You can't help because that's how you look in the spirit. You're emaciated. You're blown up and swollen from, from not nourishing yourself in the spirit because you haven't learned the sun. And we got to understand, thank God for salvation. Without salvation, I mean, there's no, what are you going to do? But listen to me, at the risk of offending some of our denominational mindsets, listen, you don't find yourself, listen, you don't find yourself at the foot of the cross. You find him. The foot of the cross was never meant for you to stop. That's where you walk and you wash yourself in what's draining off of it and you keep going. And you, when the, listen to me, again, back to that kicking over, your, messing with your theology a little bit. Taking up your cross, do some research. It's not about carrying, quote unquote, the burden because he's burden removing, yoke destroying. Amen. It's about washing yourself in what was on the cross. And taking what washed you and washing an entire region. That's Christmas. Amen. That's what you're called to do. That's what we're to do as people. This is why you can't just go into church and have three good songs and a whipped cream sermon and go home. You have to be focused on learning Christ. And you don't learn. Let me, let me just say this. Jesus is not hard. He's not hard. He's not mean. And for some of you who need to hear this, and I say it a lot and you need to hear it again, if anything in your spirit, in your ear, in your friendship circles are reminding you of your past, that is not God. Amen. God is not, listen, God will convict you to get you to repent. But God will not condemn you to change your behavior. You have to accept in your heart conviction and understand that conviction is because of love. I correct my children because I love them. I don't remind my children of their failure every day. Because God in heaven knows I don't want anybody reminding me of mine. Isn't it amazing to me the amount of people that want grace but refuse to show it? Amen. And when you learn Christ, you learn how to navigate both worlds. See, I, I, I'm going to try to bring this in for a landing right here, but this is something that's very, very important to me in my life. I spent... 
the majority of my early years of Christianity looking for somebody to affirm me. You know, I had a great few years under a certain ministry learning and training as an armor bearer. I had, I had, a, great, uh, had a great decade under Matt Gober, who was a dad to me. And I mean a father. If I, if I, if I, I lost my dad when I was 12, so I didn't know what a real father was until I ran into Mac again. And, and he was a father to me. And, and there was things about me that he took, broke apart and put back together. And I, and I became somebody that I really, I, I was happier with than I was before. But the truth is, none of those people can affirm me like Christ can. And we spend the majority of our Christian walk trying to get people to accept us. When he accepted you, before you accepted him. And he just needs you to know that he loves you. And all he needs you to do is to learn who he is. Amen. Stand to your feet with me. Praise team, come on up.